0: Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, we have our usual panel. We've got Adam. We have Rhiannon. We have myself. I'm Caleb. Uh, but Adam, we have a fourth person who I'm going to let you introduce because you've done such a masterful job of giving us the opportunity. Take it away, Adam.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I think those, the, the restraining orders for the other people did go through, but <laughs> We did. Get one guest, the Kingpin himself, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for not, you know, not you know, taking us to court and all that stuff. We're we're glad we've gotten so many cease and assists and, and all that <laughs> stuff. And here we are. We have a guest. We've had guests before. We uh, have. Not not the Kingpin.
2: Yeah. Well, I have my lawyers on standby if that makes you guys feel any more at home. Oh it does. Yeah. We're perfectly yeah. at home. No. It's Thank awesome. you. Yeah.
0: We had a comic writer on here that told a, uh, somehow we convinced him to talk about Scooby-Doo and he had some weird pitch for like a cannibalistic Snooby, Scooby-Doo. And he stopped writing on Marvel books pretty soon after that. So we thought that might be our fault.
1: It was very suspicious. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Oh, so we do talk, let's start off with a low hanging question. We do talk, sometimes we talk Marvel, but we also do talk a substantial amount of food. Um, we, cool. we argue over potatoes all the time. You have one form of potato to live with the rest of your life. Hopefully you like potatoes first off, but we're talking crinkle cuts, mashed, uh, waffle fries, steak fries, steak fries is my choice. What, what type of potato are you going to go with? I have to pick one. Mm-hmm. Just one.
2: Cause I like potatoes a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's really hard. So, a couple? I'll let you go with two. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I like, I totally like steak fries. Like, they're up there for sure. Like, I think what beats them out, I don't know what you call them technically, but you know, little round potatoes that have, that are kind of crispy when they make them with their, they're kind of grilled and crispy around. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: They're like the little potatoes, little round things. Yeah. And they, and, I don't know what they're called. Other than I eat them, you know, if I can get them, I eat them. So it's like you know, they have they're kind of brown and grilled Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I think they're just grilled potatoes. But um, the little round ones,
0: like a little russet potato, I think. Right?
2: I think that's that sounds like a good word. Yeah, (laughs) russet.
3: The little baby new potatoes. Yeah, the little baby new potatoes that like you just you get them in like the bags of a bunch of little potatoes.
1: There you go. That's it. There we go. The podcast episode's
2: over already. Yeah, we got to send this in
3: to <laughs>
1: someone.
2: Thank you very that much. was really
3: all of this we wanted you to just come and talk it about potatoes It so fun us. you guys. It was so <laughs> fun spending the
2: afternoon with you really.
1: Oh.
3: That's so cool. Well, that's jump right. That's the
2: um But since we're talking about food, mm-hmm. um yeah. Uh, i i do i do eat meat and i don 't eat it very often but that 's only because i you know because of guilt but i um i do eat it and i but i don 't eat it just like i don 't like just nonchalantly eat it like i have to like it has to be a good you know well made piece of meat and uh but you know as i talk about it right now it 's just like a, I could definitely eat a steak and potatoes right now. Mm. But um you know, I have to say that for being growing up in an Italian family, it's I am really a steak and potatoes guy still, mm. even with all the pasta in my bloodstream that just flows through constantly.
0: Yeah, um, we've had many we've had many a debate right? on this show about uh sous vide versus uh reverse searing mm-hmm. a steak. Adam's a big reverse sear guy, so. Big reverse sear. Big reverse
1: oh, wow. Sear. I'm the, the capital State. of the world, man. I can go out and there's a cow right down the street. <laughs> nice. You know, it's funny. You guys were talking about living on the 28th floor and then Cedar Rapids. It was a big deal when they erected their 13th floor building. So I'm like, how do you live on the 28th floor? Yeah. I can't even get to the twenty
3: what yeah. I love. I live
2: people- on. I live in a in a twenty eight story building, but I live yep. on the eighth floor. They call it the eighth floor, but it's only three floors above Fifth Avenue, which is pretty awesome. But uh, it's actually it's not the most perfect place in in the world to live, but um, just because of it's this particular area i've moved recently so this particular area is is very um touristy during the day and um that's not great if you just want to go out and get some milk you know signing autographs and you know just to get some milk and um you know when you haven't wiped the sleep from your eyes yet or anything you know so that that's a little weird but um Yeah, they call it the eighth floor, but I think that's because there's three floors. There must be a few floors underneath that are owned by like Homeland Security or something. I have no idea, but it's they're, they're just not talking about it. But it is called the eighth floor, and I'm three floors above the street.
3: Interesting. So that's like the opposite. So I work at World Trade, and they've told us like if there ever was an incident when we had to go down the stairs, when you get to the second floor there's 11 more floors to go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's It's like the opposite of that.
0: You mentioned seeing people on the street. Um, Do you find people can disassociate you from the characters you play or like, like, you know, you played Kingpin, a very imposing sort of villainous character. Do you ever have people you can tell are like a little nervous to be around you because in their brain, they can't like disassociate your character from your person.
2: Um. I I my my whole life people have been nervous to be around me mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid I'm mm-hmm. you know I was you know it's, it's just being tall and being big it is people get nervous when they're Yeah you. and I'm also um you know I'm not the most social type in the world so like my resting face is not like inviting mm-hmm. you know so it, it which is you know fortunate and unfortunate because you know i'm really just a big kid and and but as far as the as far as being recognized on the streets um it's interesting because like when there's a fun factor like definitely with wilson fisk there's a fun factor for people so if they're a fan of me doing that show then they just say kingpin you know like that kind of thing which is awesome um And if it's not, there's no real fun factor, then they just call me by my name, you know, because I've played so many different parts now. Um, And for lack of a better word, I know this sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not. There's a few iconic roles that I've played in my career that have become like a thing. And and so people fixate on always, to, to what you're saying is that they fixate on a particular character of mine. Uh, most people do, but even so, some people just you know know who I am and they they say that. But if there's like a fun thing about it, like with Goren, with Robert Goren on Law uh, uh, Law and Order, you know, people say Goren all the time. Like, if there's a fun thing, they do that. But but mostly I get just my name. But these days I get I was uh, just the other day. Um, it's a couple of weeks ago. I was at a stoplight in an Uber. And I had the window rolled down, of course, because of COVID and stuff. Um, and I was wearing a, a, a full, you know, mask. And there was these guys on the corner. We were near NYU. And there were these. There was like five dudes on the corner, smoking cigarettes, young guys. And they were just talking. And I was just sitting there, and I was listening to the conversation. And then one of them, out of the group, says, "Ooh, ooh, 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 ooh!" And they're pointing at, and everybody turns. And you hear the little guy, the smallest one in the back. And they're they're actually they all got their masks down on your, their chins because they're smoking cigarettes. But they're like you know five feet from me, and because they're on the sidewalk. And uh, the little guy, the smallest guy, goes, "I'm to kingpin." I heard I heard "kingpin," you know, like mumbled. And I think that's kingpin. You know, "kingpin," "kingpin," and then all of them start saying kingpin, "kingpin," "kingpin." And one guy, the biggest dude. Who got a little scary? I have to say, he was a big mofo. He 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 goes kingpin like that. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, guys, guys, yes, 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 yes. And I pull my mask down quickly for them, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh shit. It was good. It was good. It was good. Has anyone That's... ever
1: asked you to slam their head in a car door?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that probably would have happened no. during that conversation. Had yeah. 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 the light gone green, and I had to. <laughs> Go
0: away. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating what you said about just people generally being intimidated. I I'm six two, I'm a big guy. So yeah. I had a mentor once that told me, he's like, Caleb, you have to learn a corny joke and just tell that corny joke all the time. And I was like, yeah. Why? He's like, Because yeah. people are gonna be intimidated. Your size and your height and your way you project your voice. He's like, You need to find some way to undercut your seriousness to people yeah. that are around. And it was great yeah. advice to like, always realize how people perceive me, you know?
2: It really is. I, I, I find that to be a very healthy thing that you just said. I, I used to do the same sort of, but not as healthy. I used to just be self-deprecating when I would a little bit just to yeah. put people at ease, you know, which is not as healthy as, as what you just said. But um, since then, I, I, when I was younger, that's what I used to do. Hmm. Um, but these days, because of what I do for a living, it's sort of like part of the whole deal. So I don't really have to explain myself, you know? Um, But when I'm meeting people in a personal way, not people that are just not people that are fans, but just people in my life that really don't give a shit about what I do. And, and um, you know, I still, I still do try and be, yeah, do like, say like a joke or put them at ease in, in some way. And I think, it has more to do with habit than it does with reality these days. Cause I'm after having children, after living a long life and you know, I am, I have, I am a little more social than I was when I was, when I was younger.
3: So, that story. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this time you've been in, you've done a ton of filming in New York city since we're still sort of on the subject of the city. Like, between Law and Order and Daredevil, you've filmed on location all Godfather over. Godfather of Harlem. Huh? Godfather oh, yeah. of
2: Harlem. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So are there any, like, little nooks and crannies that you've discovered in the city from filming that you've gone back to or that, that you recommend yeah. checking out? Or,
2: Yeah. Actually, I won't say where it is exactly, but it's on Fifth Avenue it's funny that you say that because the building that I'm living in, I know about because we shot here. Wow. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Very cool.
2: Yeah. And I knew there was a particular type of apartment in that building that if I could get, I would want to get it. And so I did. Yeah.
3: That is so cool.
2: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So you find streets, there's little streets, but you know, I have to say, I don't know who grew up in New York and who didn't in, in this podcast, but, um, none of us. (laughs) Yeah. So if you grow up in New York and if you spend the time I did when I was young on the streets in New York, um, especially, uh, in my late teens, all the way up, uh, for the rest of my life, you know, you, you, when you're struggling as an actor in New York, you're on the streets a lot. And, you know, plus we used to, you know, get high and walk the streets at night, you know, like all this crazy shit when I was young and, and, uh, in my twenties. And, you know, I know so many nooks and crannies and so many great streets that I've always wanted to shoot on. And, um, there's so many incredible little things about New York city going all the way up through Harlem, all the way down to, to, um, you know, all the way as far down as you can go, go to the wall street area down there. There's so many incredible little streets, little streets that you wouldn't believe actually exist, that they actually look like movie sets you know. It's really cool.
1: One of the uh times we've talked, I think it might have been about your book, um you had said we hear on the podcast, by the way, our big Marvel TV fans and, and of Mr. Jeff Loeb, you said you were working on a project with Mr. Loeb. Is that still something that's kind of oh, yes. oh yes in the works? Is yeah. it?
2: Okay. Yes, we've hired the directors and um and the, uh, and their director writers actually I can't say who and when and stuff like that but we've yes it's moving forward we have an incredible company uh, uh, a production house that's going to do it with us and so we're in the process of um, getting the script uh, written the deals are all made we're getting the script written and uh, or scripts I should say and um, and then we'll pitch it and I'm sure because of um the directors, they're they're particularly very talented and popular directors and and because of Jeff and because of myself and because of this company that, that came on board with us, I think that um we'll pitch it and we'll get it made. You know? We'll just wait for the deadline article or variety. Yeah. Or maybe I'll speak about it the first time on your podcast. Oh, there you there go. There you go. Host <laughs> yeah. <Always> <laughs> the
0: sirens. <laughs> <laughs> talking talking about Jeff Loeb and the Marvel TV days, um, we were just curious uh, about how you felt when Daredevil was canceled. Um, we felt like it was a really great finale in some ways. I mean, it was really season three, I thought, brought a lot together. Did you feel like there was something kind of left undone? Or were you okay when you found out that there wasn't going to be anything beyond season three on Netflix?
2: I don't think any of us were okay. Okay. I think that we were like, oh, OK, we had a hit show, and now it's gone, you know. Um, but shortly after that, at the same time, the, um, the groups saved their groups started to rise. We started to learn about the, the cast, most of us, I, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> but I know Charlie and I, uh, for sure, um and deborah you know i think and uh, and i it i think we started to learn the reasons why that happened and so we understood m- what marvel was doing because of disney plus and coming out and and it sort of kind of you know when you're in this business a long time like we have we have all been it kind of made sense business-wise um what didn't make sense to us was why we wouldn't continue that show or, or, or the idea of how that worked and how well it worked, you know? Like the conceptually, I think we were disappointed, but I think we all understood what was going on and that it sort of was inevitable. And so, you know, in this business, you learn to accept things because, um, you know, it's it's a business in the end, and and there's there's nothing you can really do about it. You know, one of the things about losing the opportunity to do a fourth season was that we, you know, I know that Charlie feels the same way, and I I, I know he's he'd be comfortable with me speaking for him because Charlie and I are friends, and and. You know, that that um you know, there was a lot more to explore with his character and mine. And you know, all the characters, my opinion is all the characters. Um, and we just hoped that one day we would be able to. And it turns out that I've been able to do Hawkeye now, and you know, I, I and Charlie is uh you know, it's all kind of he's there in, in Spider Man and so you know you know, I really do wish that, that, that it was back when I, like the movie business was like when I was younger, where you just knew what was going to happen and you were allowed to talk about things freely and that mm-hmm. people would give you information and you would be able to share it. And, you know, but nobody tells you anything these days. Like yeah. it's not just um, superhero movies, you know, it's, it's every project that I get involved with, you know, Oh, but you can't say anything, you know, yeah. it's like, Okay, you know, (laughs) it's like even even with the Tammy Faye movie that I did, you know, I was allowed to say that I was in the Tammy Faye movie, but I wasn't allowed to say what it was about, you know. Mm -hmm. And and early on, I wasn't even allowed to say what what character I played. So it was, it happens all the time now, you know. Well, and I think there's part of the business these days.
0: I think there's a certain unfairness to you guys as actors too. Like we've talked about on these Disney Plus shows that they send out the directors or the writers or the actors. And they're like, we want you to promote this to 50 different outlets this week, but we want you to say absolutely nothing about what's in it. And then like fans get mad that like they get really vague or like quasi mysterious answers, but what else are you going to do? Right? Like they're asking you to publicize it without talking about it.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But you know, in the end, I find it hard to believe that the the, the fans that I come across are intelligent people. And, and I find it hard to believe that they don't know that it's a game and that the game um, evokes um, excitement and, and sometimes provokes excitement. And, and, and so I think, I think it's a fun game to play And yes, sometimes it's weird because in the moment it gets bizarre. But, um, you know, the, the, the best thing about that situation from the actor's point of view, I'll say is that I really don't know anything. I literally don't, you know, and I, and at this point I would rather not because it, it's, it's an uncomfortable position to be in, um, But I have to say, you know, even when I just said it's an uncomfortable position to be in, just as I said that the first thing that comes to my mind is, but it's kind of fun. The game is kind of fun. And I do think, I remember when I was a kid, for instance, I remember when I was young, one of the directors that always kept his stuff secret, I mean, was Woody Allen, okay? No matter what you think of Woody Allen, you know, in his films, um, I get it believe me but i'm just using his him as an example there were certain directors oliver stone did it for a while um but woody allen was the first one that i really remember in my world that you that the scripts were untitled you had to sign sign a contract before you even read it it was that kind of stuff um i believe i believe that's so you had to sign a contract and and uh and the first time I ever saw a marked script was, I believe when I did men in black, where, you know, they print your name over every page, you know? And so that, that's been around for a long time, but I think that it, and I think they realize how well it worked. And so now it's just become part of the business.
3: Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least say I'm part of the Save Daredevil team, and everybody there is sending you their love. They've Aww. been so appreciative of the support since day one. Um, like every time we look back at the campaign and how it actually went from like a few people on the internet screaming into the void to like yeah. people hearing us was your acknowledgement. So, oh, wow, um, I
2: didn't know that, but that's cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean it was like yeah, we, we were just going through cuz it popped up on memories. Like that 3-year anniversary of you putting out that tweet. And some of the girls had been like tracking, you know, some of the team members have been tracking just like the numbers like very carefully and then it was suddenly like you acknowledged us. And I right. say us. I wasn't a part of the team then. But you acknowledged Save yeah. Daredevil by putting yeah. it out there and like suddenly Adams writing articles about us and you know, and, and it's a mainstream yeah. thing. So. Yeah.
2: And I remember, I remember when, the uh, when the, the sign went up in, in and Manhattan. That- yeah. I, I, just so you, just so it's out there and the, it, it, as far as information for you guys, for your safe, safe daredevil people is that, um, when I, Charlie was the first one to see it, he immediately called me on the phone so, did you oh. know that? And I'm like, no, I didn't know. He goes, you got to go see it. And I was like, so I went to see it. And, oh, and, it was only
3: up for five minutes. Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> and and, and uh, it was up for a little longer than five minutes, but yeah. yeah. No. Five minutes?
3: Maybe even less.
2: <laughs> Why?
3: because it was expensive (laughs) money because that makes it cheap (laughs) but but tell me how that worked like so so from the campaign standpoint they had an anonymous basically an anonymous stoner that was like you need to go to billboard in times square and the people behind it were like sure uh we're not disney you know like with what money and that person looked into into it and that's you know a billboard that you can rent out for like marriage proposals or whatever and they had like a five-minute package that was oh extraordinarily affordable. You
2: know, I have to tell you that yeah. somehow, some way, I don't believe that Charlie knows that. And <laughs> I definitely didn't know that because we <laughs> both saw the poster. and yeah. We both saw it up. And, and that's brand new news for me.
3: Well, Set I mean, not to pop the bubble. I mean, I know you guys think we spent like thousands on it, but it was not... Not. Yeah. It wasn't well, thousands; I,
2: it was millions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I—I I mean, it's always been in the back of my mind, you know. Like when 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 it's brought up, like how did they actually afford that? But, um, I just assumed it was up for a while. That's bizarre, man.
3: No, yeah. it was one really good fan. I mean, like it was all on behalf of yeah. one, and I don't even know who it. I'm not. You know like it doesn't I, matter. I would like yeah. to shout from the mountaintops, like this is the person that made that possible. Um. And then a group of fans went there, one of them being a friend of Charlie's. And we all stood there to make sure when it came up, we got a lot of pictures. And then I immediately. So
2: if I were. So so do I remember correctly? So Charlie, but Charlie was saw it in person, didn't he?
3: No, Not that I know of. (laughs) I mean, unless he was like standing behind us and like we didn't know it know. were be- you no, taking you.
0: notes for the history
3: of that say, Daredevil? That's what
1: I'm just jotting down notes. Maybe that <laughs> Daredevil was actually Charlie. You know, the Times Square Daredevil costume guy. Maybe that was actually Charlie.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he was there dressed as a Spider-Man. Like
2: that's weird, honking well, us.
3: You know, but, it- uh, but one of his close friends was there. That he he there was somebody there that had Charlie's number directly to let him know when it was happening. I like the
1: headcanon Charlie would just happen to be like walking out of Starbucks in Times Square. <laughs> And
2: the sign popped up. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of how everything unfolded that day.
3: Oh, that day oh, was crazy.
1: Yeah, you guys saw. It. That's all that matters, right? That was the goal. Yeah, yeah, well, that day was, was crazy. the goal. Yeah, yeah. See,
3: Daredevil tried to talk our way into the Marvel offices in Midtown, and uh, we got to the lobby. We got didn't to take you, a picture in front of the mirror. Didn't you have
0: Cantor with you to try to like sneak you yeah.
3: past? Yeah, Jeff <laughs> Cantor was, so was with us. He was trying to get us up there. It was, it was <laughs> That's good very times. Funny. Yeah yeah
2: no i remember i have to pull it up on my text i'm just trying to remember because i saw that he sent me a photograph of it yeah text and said have you seen this you know it's it's up and i'm like oh shit you know we're on the phone and he sent me this thing
3: wow okay
2: weird all right
3: i mean i We've talked about doing another one, and if we do, we'll give you a heads up so you can see it while it's up for those okay. thirty seconds. Away. I
1: have to. I have to ask this question. You brought up texting, and an actor of your stature, who's like the most famous person, in Vincent D'Onofrio's phone. Can you call the president right now? Like, do you have <laughs> the president's phone number?
2: No, I don't have the president's phone. Number. No. And um, I, I, I'm just thrilled when my 22 year old texts me back. So that's, you know, it's uh, that's what my life is like. (laughs) Now. um, Um, Yeah. So um,
0: we have, uh, we've talked a little bit about obviously Kingpin's back in Hawkeye and um, there's been a lot of talk about how similar or how different it might be to what he was like in Netflix. Um, We were curious, did you, I mean, obviously you're with a different production team now on a different network. Did that make you feel like you're a little freer as an actor to maybe experiment with Kingpin than you maybe would have been able to in a Netflix season four, or for you, is it all similar enough that you kind of stayed on the same track?
2: Um, I have to say that from the get go with my involvement with Marvel from Jeff Loeb to where we were at with Hawkeye that I've had complete freedom the whole time. I'm not sure why I have. I, I know that my initial coming into Netflix was contingent on whether I thought it was an interesting part for me because I knew who Kingpin was just because of my childhood. Um, cause, um, I, I'm I no I've said this to Adam before, but like my comics were Batman, Captain America, Punisher, Daredevil, and Spider-Man. Uh, the the least Spider-Man, but you know, I had the comics. And um so I was aware of of who Kingpin was, but I wasn't aware. It wasn't on my radar. The only thing was that was on my radar was at that point when it come to, came to superhero stuff was um, Robert's uh, performance in Iron Man, which I thought was extremely impressive. And um, it made me think for the first time, I was like, I have to say, you know, in my mind, I thought, um, I think I was actually with Hugh Jackman. He was over my house because our kids went to the same school together. And we were sitting in my patio and I've never told this story before actually. And I said, you know, this, this superhero stuff is really turning out to be interesting. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to, one day I'm going to get the chance to play one of those bad guys. And I think I could tear it up. I think I could tear it up. He goes, yeah, I think you could too. <laughs> you know? like, I'm like, and we just talk, we talked about it very briefly. But it was the first, it, so, so I, I, I've always, I wanted to know what it was. And so they sent me, uh, they, they sent me a couple of scripts, but Kingpin wasn't in them. And then I talked to Stephen and Jeff on the phone. The three of us had a conversation because I really liked the scripts. I liked the Miller kind of approach to it, you know, and, and I always liked Godard as a, as a writer. And so, um, and, and, you know, I didn't know Steven's work yet, although I knew that he was very successful, but I didn't know his work. And, and so I, you know, I, I have a discussion with those two guys and, you know, our relationships formed, uh, initially in that first call, it couldn't have gone better And our relationships. My relationship with Stephen. And with Jeff has flourished since the real friendships and um, but uh, yeah it, it, it they you know I I agreed to do it from from that discussion that we had um, and uh, and then from the get go I, I I informed them that. I needed to find his voice. And so because I'm a method actor, that's a whole, a kind of thing that has to take place for me. And, and um, the, in and, and in this case, it was the actual sound of his voice because I knew that I couldn't speak in my, my own voice. I knew that I, I, I do have a pretty good range octavely. I can speak high or pretty deep down, but um, <clears throat> that's just from stage work that that happens. But the, so I sent the two of them, eventually I found his voice and I sent the two of them a recording of um, a short little monologue in 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 what I thought was going to be Fisk's voice. And it's a very emotional thing for me to do. And they were both like, yeah, yeah, that's going to work. And I'm like, okay. And that was the beginning of me, of my inventing things for them. And um, I'm very open with that kind of thing. I don't I cannot discuss anything, which I also like to do, or I can discuss everything depending on how people work. Some directors, they don't want to know. Some do uh, some producers. They don't want to know some do you know, some writers. They want, they don't want to know some do, you know, so I'm happy to do whichever. So, you know, with Hawkeye, it was the same thing. I was immediately, you know, Trent uh, had me on the phone immediately, and and we were. T- I was talking to writers and the producers, and we were having uh, every couple of weeks. We were having discussions um, with, about script and about changes and about ideas and the way my my approach was, and they were happy enough to pass that on to directors and how I work and my approach and what I how I felt about it. And, um, and, and Kevin was very clear that I was going to, you know, be able to bring my stuff into the park And, um, yeah, I've just been very fortunate in that way. I still don't quite understand why, but I never really have ever really understood why I get these gifts, you know, given to me. Like it started with Full Metal Jacket when I was a kid. You know, I, um, it's like Christmas when those things happen. That's a very long winded answer. I'm sorry, oh, that's but oh, that's fine. Yeah.
3: Like, I don't remember what Caleb's question was now. So. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs>
2: yeah, no, it was, a, it was, you know, the, was yeah. the freedom any different? How, yeah. how did it feel? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, I do want to kind of spin off this with my next question. You mentioned, you know, Kevin called you and Trent called you. Uh, there, there was the, the rumored I talked to, I think Royce told me, I think Amy Rutberg said she was aware of like the two hour or not two hour, two year cool down period between the Netflix and, and, uh, contracts or whatever you want to call it. You had Netflix have the rights for two years. Is that something you and your team were aware of? Like, where did you have the date circled on the calendar when you could be expecting to call for Marvel or did Kevin's call? just? I had, totally it, in I had it in my head.
2: I had it in my head. You know, for sure, it wasn't a discussion that I ever had with anybody. But I I knew pretty early on how long it was. One of the things that I had inquired uh, for somebody on my team to mm-hmm. to sort out um, because I wanted information exactly what was going on. Right. And and we and like I said earlier, we all got that pretty pretty quickly. The, the same in mm-hmm. about the same amount of time that the that the um, the safe daredevil people started coming up and so it was in good faith that i could um i could promote um save daredevil because of that and and um so it was uh it was definitely something i was conscious of you know
1: Gotcha.
3: save daredevil team is gonna die when they hear all this you're gonna make them so excited yeah and they're going to want you to come and be on their podcast (laughs) so
2: (laughs) well tell them let's that i will i'll find the time to do that
3: awesome they'll be much appreciated um so talking about showing up in the ninth hour as a bad guy um eyes of tammy faye that was so exciting. Um, I went into it just watching it as, you know, interested in the Baker story, but your role at the end there with Jerry Falwell, uh, I really don't have a question. I just, it, it felt even just like Kingpin-esque to me. At the end, you, well, spoilers. Um, Caleb and Adam haven't watched, or no, Caleb hasn't watched it yet. Right.
0: Spoilers for something that but happened But like, you came ago. in the
3: end kind of Kingpin-esque. Did you, was that any in your mind were there any similarities or were they two completely different situations that what so, so say that again that what i feel like in the end your character in the eyes of tammy fay ah. sort of came in and had been moving some pieces and putting some stuff in place it it yeah. it was a little villainy um
2: no it had nothing to do with
3: nothing it. nothing qu- okay
2: no.
3: it was, <laughs> was just, just
2: a it was i i i feel it was just a a really well written um, thing to do. You know the thing. There's a thing about the structure of screenplays, where in the, and then there's so with that in mind. There's 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 a the thing about the path that I took at a young age was was to become a character actor, and a character actor mostly supports in films is the supporting role in films, right? And a supporting role can be two minutes on screen or 45 minutes on screen. Like who knows. Right. And one of the structures that's very common is something that they sort of like, it it can be referred to sometimes as the hairy line structure, which is they talk about, it's from the third man. They talk about a character completely set up the character for when you make your entrance. And that helps put the character on a certain level structurally to make the story work. And so it's a common structure that's used to introduce the kind of people that I sometimes play in storylines.
3: Well, that was a great performance. Yeah. Thanks.
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: You've talked a lot about your process as you're putting a character together. You've played now some, some different characters over like a period of years. I think Kingpin's interesting because you did it for a few years and then you kind of had a break and then you're coming back to a character. Um, Do you allow like the world around you, politics, the news, to help you to tweak your character? I I think particularly like with Fisk, uh, politics is a really different world than it was when you first started being Wilson Fisk. And I feel like I see some things maybe where you have factored in the way the world has changed but i'd be interested in you just talking about how you allow sort of current events in the world we live in to get mixed into that process of making a character
2: well you're it's a it's a good question because what happens is is that what's out there in the zeitgeist you know like is is something that that we have to think of as artists all the time and so you have to consider those kinds of things Um, you know um, for most people, it's not a new thing that somebody in power can lie to you directly to your face and smile when they're doing it. You know, it's not a new thing anymore where, um, you know, gaslighting is a common thing these days. Um, and you know, it's always been around, but it's become hugely popular way to conduct politics and, 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 um, And promote one's self to be some kind of leader, or you know, it, 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 gaslighting has become an art form that's um, very unfortunate, and, and to say the least. And and um, and so you know, so so I know that going in these days to to play something that you that you don't have to uh, bang things over people's heads. They understand that you're playing a character that will lie to your face and smile when they're doing it. And so there was an interesting opportunity in Hawkeye because, you know, Fisk had lost a bit of his power because of the blip and, and, uh, so he, he wants his, his city back. Um, and I, I think it's, I think the ruthlessness of him is, is not so difficult to sell anymore. Um, I always tried to approach him as being very still and not overtly threatening unless somebody got his temper to flare, you know? And, and so that is, that is a form of him that I can play on a different level these days because of everything that's happened since we started playing that, Uh, since I started playing that character. And, and so I can ease into the menace a lot slower because people understand now what gaslighting is it's like an art form and so um and the more desperate the character is that's gaslighting for whatever reason i think is also um it it it, it works even better because i think that's also part of the zeitgeist so yeah
0: yeah that's well, i was told the guys on the podcast um i may it may just be the the genre or what you guys are doing but I thought it was interesting that we were introduced to Kingpin and Daredevil and he's killing somebody in a park in the dark by the river. And we're reintroduced to him in Hawkeye and he's in Rockefeller center fighting someone in broad daylight. It's like, it's yeah. almost like we live in a world where we're kind of more shameless and people feel like they can do evil things in broad daylight and no one will
2: care. Yeah, you know? I think if you go, yes, you're right. And I think if you go back and look at that conversation that I had with Vera, with, um, with Eleanor. Um, there is that, what I'm talking about and what you're talking about is in that scene very much. It's everything that he's saying to her is, his, is non-committal. You know? And he's telling her to not to be so rash. Like all of that plays because of everything that's going on in our country now. And, and it's awful what he's doing in that scene. And I, 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 there was one take that I asked if I could try to do this thing, which is, an inter- I know this may be boring, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's an interior thing that uh, there's an interior motion that I can, uh, emotion that I can bring up that has a lot to do with, personal things in my life. And I can just, once I bring that up as an actor inside me and it's rolling through me, I can just speak the author's words through that. And it affects my whole body and nervous system. And I'm conscious of that because I've used it before. And there's one, I did, I asked if I could just do one take. I didn't explain it the way I'm explaining it now that that would be slightly different in a very subtle way. And it affects my nervous system. And and you get twitches and stuff. And in and the take that they ended up using was that take. And my eye is twitching through the whole scene, and the scene and and that is that that happened once, you know. And it's I did that because of everything that we're talking about right now
0: yeah I mean I think people definitely know I saw a few tweets that were like is Vincent Zai okay you know because they just noticed that it
2: was different yeah yeah it's like a it's like a um I don't know in my crazy actor mind it was like a bomb ticking you know
3: in the actor mind uh from what you just went through with Kingpin and and I, I I realize this is kind of skirting the line of it might be something that was told to you that you can't reveal or anything that, but were you playing him as if he blipped or as if he did not blip? As if he was there for those five years or not, or can you not talk about it?
2: Well, I don't know. I don't think I can talk about it because I don't really know. I can only go by what I think and you know mm-hmm. how I played it, but I don't want to put it out there because then it will become canon. Yeah. So it's, I don't. I never had that discussion with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I just, because of what I had to do in the story, I had to think about it in a certain way for me to be able to understand my sort of history up to that point. So yeah, I can't. Yeah. 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 I mean, Is that- you know, I, hopefully it will, you know, we'll we'll I'll get another stab at Fisk and it'll come out in another way. Yeah.
0: Is that frustrating for you that, Cause like, there's been a lot of talk about Canon, not Canon. Like you're trying to talk as an actor about what's going on in your brain, but then the people on the internet just <laughs> want to know like whether they've won their yeah. flame war or not, you know, like is that kind of yeah. hard for you to deal with when you talk to
2: people about this stuff? No, it's something, you know, I, Adam's heard me say this before. I'm sure you've read it before. I've, you know, I think it's impossible to connect all the dots that you can you can make an effort at connecting as many as you can um that that makes sense for the continual story to go on but you can't connect every one of them it's hard to it's hard to do you know even when you're doing a um a series like in like for instance the one that i'm doing now the godfather of harlem um you know 99% of the dots we can connect from season to season but there's a few we can't you know and it's just part of long-form storytelling, you know?
1: I mean, you, fandom. Of course, fans are always going to want characters, right? We saw Save Daredevil. We've seen uh, the Snyder Cut. There's Save Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. There's Save So-and-so. There's Save So-and-so. Do you think – I mean, when we were talking with you last week on Comic-Con Nation, you, you mentioned Fisk was one of the three or four characters that you really felt there was more to explore um do you think you'll always feel that are, are you pretty confident there will be a day will you where you just say you know i think i've done all i can with kingpin or is that not even in your mind's eye yet yeah
2: no i don't know i don't yeah kingpin i, I life. well i i mean it's yeah it's like that i guess i mean it's a good way to put it actually because uh you know, I have to tell you, when I walk out on the set, um, I'm already in character, and you know, I'm living moment to moment when we're doing a scene as Fisk. So, you know, it's even though this sounds very actor mushy, you know, you know, it's like any life it just goes on
1: you know there you go we have a new hashtag to start now right kingpin for life <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll put it out there. Well, I will. I just tweeted. Adam it. will what take everything about? and make it a headline. I will. <laughs> this uh, was yeah. really
3: just like a ploy for Adam to have something to write about.
1: <laughs> I am trying to figure out how we're going to afford the bandwidth of Vincent D'Onofrio name-dropping Hugh Jackman on the podcast. I'm trying
0: to figure out like, shit, we gotta buy more bandwidth. Oh no. Uh, so, um, yeah. So I have another question. This may be goofy but um you know you've talked you're just talking a little bit about long-form storytelling we've had a real debate on our show uh these disney plus shows are a little unusual in that they're like six episodes and you know a lot of us have been conditioned growing up that you have a two-hour movie or a 22-hour television show and these shows have felt a little bit in the middle and i think when we review them we're kind of like We're still trying to get used to it. Um, Is the length of Hawkeye, was that, do you look at it like a movie or do you look at like a TV show? Like how does, um, I don't know, for us, it almost feels like a new form of storytelling because of the length of it and the way the arcs move over six hours versus two or 22. You've done both movies and TV shows. Do you have any thoughts about kind of how that worked as you were thinking through that show?
2: You mean as I'm thinking through the performance of it and reading all the scripts and stuff, not, yeah, not and, the actual show itself.
0: I mean, but yeah, like even, even kind of your role in it, you know, like, I mean, yeah. it, it, cause there's, there's some of these Disney plus shows that felt like they were done by TV people trying to do a shortened TV show. And there's other ones that felt like they were done by movie people that were just making a six hour movie. I would think yeah. that changes a little bit in how you think about plotting and pace and all that kind of stuff.
2: Um, yeah, you do, you do consider it, you do consider that it is long form and that there's a certain way that you have to arc over, over the whole long form story type of story. And so it's, it is, it is a different arc than you would in a film that was, you know, uh, and, you know, an hour, uh, an hour or two and, and. Yeah, so it, it it's something you have to consider. I mean, that's just story structure. And as an actor, early on, if you studied with the right people, you learn script analysis, and 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 you learn how to do that. You know, you learn how to take a script apart and put it back together, and understand the structure of it and how to arc your character. And so, it's uh, it's a bigger task when there's you know when it's a longer form. Yeah, and and it, so it's something that's. That, that has to be it's, it's vital that it's part of the way you you would, you ex, or you attempt to execute it and and your character within the within the structure your your character's composition within the structure of the story so it's uh yeah it is it is considered and it, it's like my personal feelings about it is that i feel the same way as when it comes to all streaming stuff um uh you know I've seen stuff that uh that does does have that feeling of that television feeling and stuff that has that kind of uh, epic film feeling. So yeah. Um but but you know I also you know I, I also come from a generation where it was trust it was trust it was it was tough to make a second sequel, you know, um and make it work. You know and and so that's continued to be a difficult thing. I think it's obvious with a lot of the big movies big tempo movies that have come out that are are that that cover all genres you know and and so I'm always a little weary of it, and so it makes me have to you know makes me it it it, it, um, it makes me focus on Working even harder at understanding how to help tell it, how to service the story, you know, because it's um, long form. You know, w- regardless of what anybody says, it's it's tough, and and it's, it's tough to do, and it's tough to keep a guy like yours interest, and 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 the and you know, pe- people who love storytelling's interest. Um, so yeah, it's a tough job. Thanks. You know what would keep my interest is a 22 episode Kingpin series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would, that would, uh, pique my interest too. Yeah, I, 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 you know, yeah, it would be F U N for (laughs) sure. (laughs) That's great. Um, you have,
1: you. I mean, you You mentioned earlier, you and Jeff producing a project, uh, you know, you directed yourself in The Kid. It is a Marvel project, is a superhero project something, you know, you might want to work behind the scenes on? Would you direct any of these Disney Plus shows?
2: I don't think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I don't think so. Um, I know, I, I've gotten to know, um directors and dps and um that 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 are working for marvel a lot these days and and i think that they're really great and i think that everybody's just doing a great job and you know I, I i really just when it comes to that kind of stuff i really it's like i wouldn't direct an episode in the godfather of harlem i never tried to direct an episode in law and order or any uh series that i've done um the the only way that I would ever do that is if is if I was one of the developers and producers, and um, from the get go of a project. Like the thing with the, the thing that we're doing with Jeff. If that ever takes off, I might down the line direct one or two of them just because it's, it's something I've developed along with Jeff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if asked, that would be a different question. I mean, my, most likely. I I would have a tough time uh, doing something like that. I think just because of my mindset, but, but um, you know,
3: yeah, nah. Yeah. It would be very hard to be in mindset of Kingpin and running the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're a director
2: on something like that, you're not really running the show. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So you're, you're basically in my mind, you are just running the visuals and the and and making sure that the everything on the page um, gets filmed and, <laughs> and 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 that you're telling the story correctly. And so, I mean, it, I, I definitely can play parts and direct at the same time. I know that that's not really what worries me about it. I think that I just think it's I feel a a, a the bigger responsibility, um, when it comes to directing. And I think the only way I would really want to feel that responsibility is if, um, if I was asked or if I was developing it from the get-go, that's, it's really a, it's really a, just the way that my, where my mind works when it comes to this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because can- I know that great, there's great directors and actors out there that can do both, and and do and pull off incredible, um, incredible performances and uh, and and make and make incredible films simultaneously. So it's uh, it's not something I think is impossible to do. It's just this particular thing I think. No.
1: There we go. There we go. We get that legal stuff sorted out with Kevin Feige. We'll ask him to ask you to direct. And then we'll,
0: <laughs> I was just like going through my brain, like, all right, what's the project that I would like to see Vincent D'Onofrio direct and then like start seeding that idea to you so that yeah, you can no, like, no. you know, start from the get go. You have <laughs>
1: mentioned Batman and I think you would make a fantastic Mr. Freeze. Do you have a comment on that? scenario? <laughs> um,
2: I have to, I can honestly say that if somebody came to me and said, they want you to play Mr. Freeze and Batman, that would be a tough one to uh, not talk to them about.
0: Yeah. Oh, more I'm Mr. Freeze to... than any of the other villains?
2: No, not oh. particularly more Mr. Freeze. It's just the idea of playing <clears throat> against one of my. Um... Come on, Batman is cool. It's like, yeah. Batman's that's all awesome I have to say Batman is mm. cool. Yeah. yeah, Batman's dope as hell. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who doesn't want to punch Batman in the face? Like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's great. I think uh, any other questions, we we could let him run and and go yeah. get some milk and get harassed by more people on the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I've, no. yeah, no, I think we're no. Yeah. Vincent, thank you so very much for, for speaking with us. I think this is the peak MND episode. I don't know how we get bigger than this. So this is uh, us peaking in our podcast careers. So congratulations for being a part of podcast yeah. history. <laughs> yeah well it feels good it's like shit i just wasted an hour of my time (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thanks so much for joining us though yeah thanks
2: yeah it was nice to be here you guys i'm glad i could do it thanks for being so nice yeah no problem thanks for
1: coming